0: Another week another podcast they just get better and better welcome welcome danita bremer yep. um i am again i get the honor of of having a guest who is a coach because i think when we have coach to coach conversations they tend to be very dynamic and interesting and i think they provide a lot of value for the listeners so why don't I let you introduce yourself and the work that you do in the world and maybe share um, why you even said yes to, to this, to being on this crazy podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so I'm Danita Bremer. I'm a life coach and I work with women who are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day saints who are experiencing shame. Yeah, And that basically is just a fancy way of saying i'm a general life coach for all <laughs> <laughs> these right <laughs> because everyone experiences this shame right um i kind of come at it with like people women who have that i'm not good enough thought more on the surface mm-hmm. in coaching we tend to say that everyone has that thought right everyone has that belief in some way that they're not good enough But for me, my story and many of my clients, it's like the first thought it's right Mm -hmm. on the surface. Everything Mm -hmm. you see kind of triggers that. Um, And I reached out and responded, I think on Facebook to come on the podcast because my mom had an abortion before Mm -hmm. I was born. Mm -hmm. And now being an adult with my own kids and having gone through some of life, you know, I'm forty, so I'm right in the middle. I have some perspective on her feelings and the aftermath of of that, yeah, that i'm I'm guessing at. She actually passed when I was twenty, so mm. I've never asked her specifically questions about it. But from putting little pieces and clues together, from my childhood and teenage years, um, I, I just thought that it might be an interesting perspective.
0: Yeah. Do you, how did you know she had an abortion? Lots of daughters don't know their moms had abortions.
1: Yeah. So we were on a trip. Um, we had, I grew up in a small town in Eastern Washington and I believe that we had gone to Seattle. So it's like four Mm -hmm. or five hours away. We were staying with friends my parents' friends. And I was supposed to be like watching a movie in the next room. I think I was around 10 years old. And I was always one of those kids that never wanted to do what the the little kids were doing. I was yeah, always yeah. the oldest cousin, you know? And so I kind of snuck back over to this room where my parents were hanging out with their friends, the the parents of the other kids of the family. And they were doing um, that test. I don't know if you've ever heard of it where you hold like a necklace or something over your hand if it goes in circles then you know it's supposed to tell you like how many kids and and what gender they're going to be and i happened to like like go to the doorway my parents didn't notice me at first when they were doing this to my mom and the first was a boy and and then it was a girl and then a girl and my mom was like oh well yeah, I had an abortion before Danita was born. And wow. I heard that. So I kind of overheard it and I wasn't supposed to hear it. And then my parents saw me and they were like, go back in the other room. And <laughs> so I sort of overheard that. And then after that, and I think I was a pretty um aware child. After that, I remember kind of recalling conversations between either my parents or my mom and my aunt or, you know, different adults in my life, different like sentences would come to my mind. And I'd be like, Oh, that makes sense. So I kind of like put the pieces together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom had a relationship before she was with my dad and she had an abortion later on, I found out that my aunt also had an abortion and I, my mom was just barely 17 when she had me. So mm. I don't know how far before yeah. me that it happened. Yeah. Um, now like having gone through my years and being an adult and having had children, I can only look back and be like, oh my goodness, my mom had an abortion. Ha- then got pregnant again, before she was 17, had a baby, have a sister who's two years younger than me. And so I can only imagine like what that all must have been like for her. Mm -hmm. And she did not grow up in a religious household or anything like that, but still just having to make that decision and all of those things.
0: Yeah. Were you raised religious by your parents or did you find religion later?
1: So my dad was a member of the church that I'm a member of, but he has been inactive his whole life. And my mom was not a member, but I went to church with my grandparents, my dad's parents starting when I was about six years old. So my actual home life was very non-religious. And then on Sundays I would go to church with my grandparents And have that like Sunday morning experience. Um, And I was inactive. I stepped away from the church as an older teenager. And then when I was 20 and I was at college, I decided to come back. So from that time, from when I was 20, which is the same age, it was January of the year 2000 when I decided to go back to church. And later that year, my mom died. Mm -hmm. And that was so... I, I have so many ways that my mom and my experiences with my mom are really parallel to my experiences of myself mm-hmm. and becoming an adult and, you know, making decisions and things like that. Um, so my actual home life was not religious. But since I became an adult, I decided to kind of follow that path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's great that your mom was even telling her friends that's like something a lot of people don't even do right they don't even they're just like oh that test must be wrong (laughs) yeah Um, I'm not saying anything so how interesting and um thank you for sharing but aside from that story you have this expertise and this focus around shame which is probably like the number one thing that. Many people who've experienced abortion feel at some point or another. Um, for me, I had shame, not that I had an abortion, but that I got pregnant in the first place. Like I was so embarrassed. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you did something wrong. I'm broken. I should have known, like all these things. So shame is really common in one way or another. And I think it definitely can arise more with family than in other parts of our life. Like some people will tell their story on a podcast. They'll share it with their friends, but they're like, I'm not going to tell my family. My family mm-hmm. can't know. Um, so share with us some of the tools that you walk people through of like, how do you navigate that when you're feeling the shame That's it's interrupting like how you function? especially with people you love, like your family?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is to recognize that it's shame in the first place. It, Mm -hmm. a lot of emotions can escalate, right. Mm -hmm. And it can turn into anxiety or it can turn into anger if we ignore the actual shame. And so My guess is that a lot of people walking around in the world, operating really genuinely out of shame, it looks like anger and frustration, Mm. right? Because that feels more powerful to us. Wow. Right. Like even as, as a mom now, I know that, um, some of my first experiences with life coaching, I was so frustrated that my kids wouldn't obey and do their chores And when I learned that I wasn't frustrated with my kids, it was my thought about my kids that was driving that frustration. I felt so empowered. I was Mm. like, oh, I can change this, Mm. right? And naturally just having that awareness of what I was feeling helped bring the anger, the yelling at them down. But Mm -hmm. as I kind of explored more, I realized the root of it was that I didn't feel good enough as a mom. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to kind of, you know, arrange all the puzzle puzzle pieces. So I could feel good. Like if my Mm -hmm. kids did their chores, when I asked them to, then I get to feel good about me. Right. Um, So that's kind of the first step is really naming whatever emotion it is. And there, there can kind of be layers and, recognizing it and not not judging that piece of it right so we tend to as humans we want to get away from the really negative uncomfortable emotions and we want Mm -hmm. to go toward the positive emotions but the funny part of that is that the first step is always just letting yourself be in the negative emotion just Yeah. yeah not judging it not trying to push it away not resisting it not buffering away from it, not like numbing out, scrolling Instagram or something like that. Um, Just letting it be So do
0: you find like as a coach um, and also as a human, (laughs) do you find one of the ways that you might know there's something underneath this anger or underneath this anxiety, um, something deeper? Do you find that one of the ways you know that is that you're doing the things and it's not going away, right? Yeah. Like I keep addressing the anger or I keep addressing the anxiety and it's not going away. Maybe it's something deeper, something underneath that. I've heard it grief. Yeah. Um, I've heard people talk about grief a lot, like anger showing up as, <clears throat> excuse me, as the more outward emotion for grief but I'm actually, I've actually never thought about shame being one of those things that's hiding under those other
1: emotions. Yeah, for sure. I do think that that could be, if, if you keep addressing it and it never seems to quite go away, then there might be another emotion underneath that. And it's just a belief system that we're operating out of. Right. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's easy to notice thoughts, like, I don't have enough time or I wish the kids would do their chores or whatever that is. It's harder to recognize the belief system, right? So I kind of think of, we have this belief system and then we have this thought family that comes out of the belief system Mm -hmm. and that like coaching or therapy can really be useful to help us uncover some of those deeper layers because it's hard for us to question ourselves and get there. Right. We yeah. don't think of the questions that are like to question our own brain because our own brain is producing it. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's for sure. One of the signs I think is if, if the emotion is really recurring or you're still feeling sort of unsatisfied, you can't quite move on from it.
0: Yeah. What are some other ways you identify? Like Like for a listener who's, who's thinking, oh, I don't feel shame, but I feel X, Y, Z. What are some other ways you like get down there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that there are only about five core emotions, anger, Mm -hmm. sadness, shame, disgust, joy. There might be a few more, but it's like I said, it's like this emotion family where mm-hmm. I, I coach a lot around shame. So I've done a lot of thinking about shame in particular. And I find that shame and embarrassment and inadequacy and guilt, they're all mm-hmm. sort of yeah. slightly different, but very related. Um, and there might be a couple others in there. So my first step is just to get to, is it sad or is it happy? Right? Okay. Is it really mm. sad, or is it? Um, is there most people? I reckon, I think recognize it's frustration, it's anger, it's sad. Those ones are the easy ones to recognize. And then when I have my clients just describe it in their body, sometimes we can kind of pick out. This isn't really sad. This is more grief, right? Mm. Or this is anger versus frustration. They can be really s- similar, right? And we just it's just a back and forth conversation of kind of what those words mean to that person. Cause we each get to define what those emotions mean for ourselves. Um, A book I would recommend is permission to feel by Mark Brackett. Oh, I haven't read that. Yeah. And I think he's in your neck of the woods. I think he's over in Massachusetts or more permission
0: to feel. You said by Mark,
1: Mark Brackett. Okay.
0: I'll find that and link it for people.
1: Yeah, he, in that book, he talks a lot about the role of emotion and the little nuances between different emotions. Like I remember in the book, he talks about the difference between envy and jealousy and he, he doesn't know it because he's not a life coach trained the way we are, but he basically outlines the thoughts that go along with those feelings. So, you know, jealous might be like, I want that. And envy is more. I don't want them to take it away from me. Right. So Mm, it's still a thing you want or you want it to not be taken away. So I'm kind of a word nerd, but I like (laughs) thinking about that. Like what's the sentence that goes with your feeling, right? He mentions in that book. um, Now I'm not going to remember the emotion. Like anger means that there's been a, a, an injustice oftentimes. Right. And so I I thought about that and I was like, that's really true. I thought about all the times Mm. I've been angry, right? Like true Mm. anger is like, there's something unfair about this. Mm. Right. And so I just, I listened to my clients and how they describe things, both the sentences they use and also how they describe it in their body. Right. Mm. And Mm -hmm. not that emotions have to, or always show up the same way from one person to the next. But I do find that with those really core emotions, it's usually the same kind of description, right? Mm -hmm. So with sadness, it's often this like hollow, dark feeling in our chest, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? We, there's a reason why anger is described as hot because most people experience it as hot. Yeah right? And so I just watch for those types of things to help my clients sort of tease apart it, you know, is it this emotion or is it that one? Because we can gain a lot of insights from trying on different emotions and seeing what resonates with us.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So what are some of the, just, you did say most people who come to you have already this like I'm not good enough and it's right at the surface. Yeah. <laughs> um how do people like how do people know they're experiencing shame enough to want to get help for it? Like there's two things, right? There's either like I'm feeling shame and that's just my life because I had an abortion or because I'm a bad parent or because whatever. Yeah. I'm in debt, I don't know. <laughs> and then there's like I'm feeling shame and I want to move beyond that. Like, what are the things that drive people to move beyond that? What do you think?
1: Well, one fortunate thing is that Brene Brown has
0: shined (laughs) a a
1: huge (laughs) spotlight on shame, right? Um, So I think even five, 10 years ago, a lot of people wouldn't have known that it was shame, that they were really grappling. But now there's so much more awareness over what shame is and how we deal with it. Um, one component to shame is that it's very much rooted in how you identify yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So it's guilt is I've done something wrong. I don't want to do that again. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And shame is more, I am wrong for doing that thing. Right. And it's hard to outrun your own identity. Yeah. So, So I think if it's, again, if you just like, keep coming back to that sort of, I described as this like unfulfilled, unsatisfied feeling. There's like this, this emptiness or this yearning. And for me, at least it was like, I also felt like there was more Mm. that I was capable of more. Um, I just had to kind of figure out this thing. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, but I think for a lot of people, it's I'm so tired of judging myself and feeling Mm. bad about myself and identifying as like, like making excuses and apologizing. And this, I think it's human to like, want to live in your authenticity and just be you. Right. Mm. I think this is very much a big thing in our culture right now is letting people be themselves and whoever you are is totally okay. And if you've heard some of those messages and you're kind of like bristling against them, like that's not possible, mm. you know, I'm too broken for that. I'm beyond that. Then I think that's where people start saying like, I I want to figure this out. Right. So you have to, there are people in the world who are in a puddle of shame and they don't want to get out.
0: They yeah, just, they're just yeah. kind of like
1: live the rest of their lives miserable and they've sort of succumbed to it. And then there are people who, I mean, I, I believe every human has shame. It's just part of the human condition, but there are people who don't really deal with it all that much, right? They, they are pretty confident, pretty capable. It's not like an obstacle for them. And Mm -hmm. then there's, I think the bulk of people who deal with shame regularly, maybe that's not their one intense emotion but they um, want to overcome it, right? Like they feel like there's so much more for them and that there's this capability that they're living beneath. Yeah. That's kind of the person I normally speak with and coach. Um, well, I think that, you that vision of more, out. yeah.
0: Yeah like that vision that want to get over it, the vision of what's possible is what drives you to move through it. Right. To like uncover some of the yucky stuff and feel it and move through it and not be afraid of it.
1: Yeah. And there's a certain element of like, just knowing yourself. I I mean, I, it's sort of this paradox because shame is almost a wedge between you and yourself. It's like mm-hmm. this judgment that you're pushing yourself away, but also underneath that is like this, just like drive that you don't really know. You don't understand. It, it's just, there's more. I just know it. This like sense, this intuition.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. Let's, um, can I use like a specific example and you can tell me how you would like some tools you might use or suggest? Sure. Sure. So let's say I've maybe had an abortion, like, I don't know, two or three months ago, like in the fairly recent past. um, I'm through like the physical part of it. And I've started integrating into like my normal life again. And we're coming up on a holiday or a birthday or a party I'm supposed to go to. But I still haven't told a lot of people and I'm experiencing this bright, intense, heavy, whatever, however I decide to describe it, shame. And I'm afraid that it's so intense that other people can see it, right? Like other people are going to know. They're going to find out. They're going to, I can't, I can't be around the people I love with this feeling I'm having. What are some tools you might recommend for someone to I don't like, I don't want to say push through, but kind of push through, like kind of navigate those waters and reintegrate into being able to enjoy the people you love again.
1: Yeah. Well, my first step is always to process your feelings. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a huge time consuming thing. It's like, take five or 10 minutes to be with yourself in that feeling. If It's Mm -hmm. shame if it's, Um, embarrassment, anxiety, whatever that feeling is, and just be there. And, you know, the way I teach this is to name it and then get in your body, like in your mind's eye, Mm -hmm. describe in your body, starting at the top of your head, going all the way down. Usually the feelings we feel show up in the core. So our heads, neck and throat, chest, solar plexus, gut, sometimes Mm -hmm. things happen in the extremities as well. Like we get hot or cold or sweaty or things like that. So just describe it because the process of describing it means that it has to be there for you to look Mm -hmm. at it. So that's always, always the first step. And then the second step is to try to figure out why am I feeling this way without Mm -hmm. judgment, right? As soon as we judge it and we're like, I shouldn't feel this way. I should just be able to get over this yeah. and we're resisting it. We're pushing it away. So if we really genuinely get curious and we're just like, why do I feel this way? Whatever comes up for you, it's probably one or two sentences. That's the reason that's the thought driving the feeling, right? And as soon as you can recognize it as just a thought, right? So somebody might be going to a holiday party. And if their thought is, you know, my parents never accept me for who I am. Right. And the abortion, the history of having just had this abortion is adding to that. It's kind of adding evidence to that thought. It feels true. It feels true. My parents never accept me for who I am. But because there's no way to test it or prove it, it's not like a blood test we can do. (laughs) Oh, yep. They don't accept you. It's just a thought,
0: right? Mm. And as soon
1: as we can see a thought, then we have power over it. We may want to keep believing that. Like just because it's a thought that causes a negative emotion in us doesn't mean that we shouldn't have it. There's always a good reason that our brains give us for every thought, every feeling, every action, right? But I find that the first step is just like, why? Like, what is that thought? Can I so see So let's it? say
0: that, so let's say they're like, now they're like, well, I have evidence. My mom's best friend had a daughter had an abortion or my cousin had an abortion and they never forgave them. Like maybe there's like, the brain immediately goes to evidence. Now they're like, well, it's not just a thought. It's
1: true. It's
0: like, there's proof.
1: <laughs> now what? Right. And I would, I would say that that's still just more thoughts. Right. Right. Cause our evidence all tends to be like, the fact might be mom's best friend had an abortion. Mom said these words, which made yeah. me think mom hasn't forgiven. Right. And And it's okay, right? Like, it's okay to think those thoughts. It's okay to have the evidence. The next step, once you kind of see where the feeling is coming, you processed your feeling, you see where it's coming from, then you get to decide, right? You get to decide, am I going to go to the party? You don't have to, or am I going to go and I'm just going to like be there and do my best, or you could even decide, I don't care if mom doesn't forgive me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is part of my journey. That's up to her. Right. So there's so yeah. many different decisions we can make about that thought feeling combination.
0: Once we understand that it's there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Once we kind of have the awareness that it's there, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, you can decide to not think that thought. Right. But the decision is where your power comes from. Yes. Yes. Right. So you can decide I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to allow myself to just put this whole thing on a shelf and not even think about it. Right. I mean, you get to decide even how you decide it, right. What you decide, how you decide what level, right. Like if mom, we can even make a plan. Like if mom asks me this question, then this is what I'm going to say. Right. Like we can equip ourselves Mm -hmm. ahead of time. Or, you know, what does my brain anticipate is going to come up and how do I want to respond to that? Yeah. Right. So it's really about taking it out of default mode and being more intentional and deciding ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then it, and then you just act on that decision, whatever decision you came to, this is the value of a coach or a therapist that can help you make those decisions that feel in line with you and your values. And then you act on it and guess what? More feelings are going to come up. (laughs) More thoughts are going to come up. (laughs) Yeah. And so then we just do it all over again, right? So you can be standing there in the holiday party with the the family member who's driving you crazy or giving you thoughts and feelings, whatever. And you can just like feel those feelings in that moment. Yeah. Right. Like I like to think, I can stir the spaghetti while I'm feeling frustrated. Mm. Whatever you're doing, you can do it. And you can feel the feeling because the feelings are just vibrations in our bodies. You don't have to like act out in that moment. You don't have to go hide. That's what shame is going to want to do. Shame is going to say, don't go to the party. Don't talk to the people. Stay far, far away, right? So this is where we have to kind of peel back the layers of, if the shame wasn't there, if you weren't afraid, if you weren't anxious, then what would you want to do? Would you want to go to the party and be with your family? Right, and, and sort of living in line with that version of you, right? And then sometimes we just have to take those negative emotions with us. We have to be like, okay, this is what I would do if I didn't feel this way. That's like the true me, quote unquote. And now the true me has some anxiety or some shame or some fear coming along for the ride. Yeah,
0: I think that's so key, what you just said, is like coming along for the ride. Like it's not like don't ever go to another party until it's gone. (laughs) It's like be able to keep practicing, feeling it, noticing where it's coming from and don't be afraid to bring it along for the ride.
1: It doesn't
0: have to pull the cart but it's going to be your tag, it may or may not be your tag along friend for a little while. And just like, we can do this with the shame. We can do this. Like I am capable of feeling that even in a room full of people that I love.
1: Well, and with relationships too, I would say that it gets a little messy because people say things to us. People have said things in the past. People do things. Right, And we tend to, especially if you're really predisposed to feeling shame, we tend to take on responsibility for some of that stuff. And my clients feel a ton of relief when they realize that everybody gets to have their own thoughts and emotions and actions, and they don't have to mean anything about me. Yeah, My job is to just stay in my lane and who do I want to be?
0: I was just thinking like a really common one I hear from my clients or from people is um, like you're at this party and you've like, you know, you've overcome a, into a place that you're functioning and you're present. And then someone says like, when are you going to have a baby? And you immediately jump to the shame, right? Because you, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have all these thoughts in your head that they're not even thinking at all. Like they're just inquiring, like they would have whether you had an abortion or not. Um, It's just like our brains jump to these assumptions and these feelings so quickly. And so if you can just be a watcher, like, oh, okay. That just happened. But they don't actually know that I just had an abortion.
1: (laughs) Yes. And memorize like the more you're watching yourself, the more you're like, oh, it's that feeling again. Yeah. Right. And yeah. what I would recommend for people listening to this podcast who are struggling with the after effects or the pre effects of an abortion is anticipate some of the things that might trigger you and yeah. decide ahead of time yeah. how you're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And it might love not that. work every single time. Like you might forget, Oh, I had this response ready. Right but the more you do it and you watch yourself and you think about it after the fact the easier and easier that will become right so you're like how would i want to respond to uncle joe when he says when are you going to have a baby right right like yes. do i want to be funny about it do i want to be like kind of mean about it do i want to be like uncle joe that's none of your business or you know just yeah, have a couple yeah. responses sort of ready and even rehearse I love that, that you know, talk, mm, I love say that. them out loud in the mirror, rehearse them. Because if you do that, it'll be so much easier when the moment comes up.
0: Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, well, clearly you're very skilled in this, these conversations around, around shame. Um, what you. else, is there anything else you feel like a listener needs to hear before we wrap up? Or do you feel like we've covered a good amount of territory and-
1: is the only there anything thing, lingering <laughs> the only thing I would add is that self-judgment is so human mm. right and so we have this context of our culture our families our communities whatever that we are in when we're coming to abortion right and so it's I, what I would say is recognize there's like the human part of you, just the sort of natural animal part of you. And then there's the more evolved part of you that can think ahead and can look back and reassess and do those kinds of things that part of us that can think about our thinking or think about our feelings. Yeah, And we, we tend to think that they're all one thing, but sort of separating them and like, Oh, that was sort of the animal human part of me that needed to protect myself or needed to whatever. Usually it's some self-protective mechanism. It helps us to stop judging it.
0: Yeah. Right. right. Because like, this isn't another reason that I'm broken.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: This is a part of my humanity. This is, this is not like more evidence that I am not good enough.
1: Yeah, because I was thinking yeah, about, yeah. as I was preparing for this, I'm Christian and I I live in this very anti-abortion world, yeah. but then I have a mom who was a teen mom three times at least, right? Yeah. One of which was abortion. And as I was thinking about her and like, what would I tell her? I, there's no part of me that would tell her you shouldn't have done that.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that you can hold those two things, right? Like I, this is not something I would choose, but I can still love her. I can still honor that choice for what it was. Like I wouldn't tell her not to do that.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't, because I just know that she was judging herself Yeah, and there were other experiences that I've had with her before she died that like, I just know she was judging herself so harshly. And what I would just offer to her and to anyone else that's going through that is that whatever has happened in the past or even whatever decision you make in the future is, is just what you need to do for you, for your path, for what is right for you. And there's no judgment in that. Like yeah. nobody gets to tell you that wasn't the right thing for you because nobody is you. Right. And I just, I feel like it's not my job to judge anyone, like whether it's the tiniest little thing, like, why didn't you clean up your lunch to, you know, why did you say that mean thing about the person or why did you have an abortion? Whatever it is, it's not my place. My place is just for me to decide what's right for me. And like being able to suspend that judgment is such an amazing skill. Cause we, I think it, it helps in so many areas, not just abortion, but even just like I yelled at my kid or I, you know, I ran the red light or, you know, something like that. Just, okay. So I ran the red light. I was in a hurry. I'm a human that kind of thing versus you could have hurt somebody. Why did you do that? You know, it's like, especially once it's in the past, it's just a fact in the world and it doesn't have to mean anything about us. So that's probably the only other thing I would I think
0: it's so important for listeners to hear um, that there are people who would identify as anti-abortion yet still they're not judging other people. Because I think that is an assumption we so quickly make as people who are very pro-abortion, very pro-choice, like very outward about our decisions. It's really easy for us to assume that other people are judging us. And here you are on this podcast, like literally giving advice for us to walk the path, even though it's not something you say you would do. And some people are like, no, 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 that's impossible. You can't be pro-supportive and anti-abortion. It's impossible. Like, well, actually it's not. (laughs) Here we are, (laughs) like having this conversation, (laughs) not impossible. Um, So this episode has introduced so many, like, you know, just perspective shifts and places to step back and just be, like you did say at one point, curious and just continue yeah. to be curious and open and choose love, like to just keep choosing love.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do for ourselves. Yeah. To yeah. choose love. The thing is, is that judgments, they're all just thoughts. Yeah. Right. Like right. we kind of talk about them as if it's impossible to not judge people. It's, it definitely is human nature but they're also just, uh, people's opinions. Just,
0: yeah. We also talk about them like they're swords or something. Like they're actually violent. Like, Like they're actually a threat to us. Right. Yeah. And they are just thoughts. It's literally words strung together. And we can choose to receive them as a sword or we can choose to receive them as someone else's words strung together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which means so much more about someone else than they do about us. Even if the subject matter is us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah, so much good stuff.
0: It's big stuff. It's big stuff. Thank you so much. Um, I personally felt very challenged this episode because I have never ever in like maybe 70 podcast recordings had so much noise in my house (laughs) like there's another door there's another chip bag there's another the printer I was like what is going on so thank you for your patience with me as well and you offered so much wealth and um information to the listeners despite my distraction
1: Well, thank you. I think you're doing a valuable service in the world. So keep going. Have
0: a great evening and uh, until the next podcast. Yeah, thank you.